Ethos. You have goals, creative dreams, ambitions. What you don't have is enough time to accomplish them all. I was thinking about this earlier today. My 10-year-old daughter, Adeline, said to me on the way to school, this year has gone by so fast. I kind of had to laugh and say, you know, life only speeds up the older you get. And I'm not sure she can fully appreciate that. But you got to enjoy each day to make the most of it. That's great advice to a fifth grader. It's a lot easier to give that advice and maybe accept that as a near 40-year-old. I'm Paul Goldsmith, a creative coach and entrepreneur, and you're listening to the Creative Coach Cast. Sarah Taylor, my friend, I've invited you on to maybe help us solve this challenge. You're a mom of three kids, a wife, radio show host, and podcaster. So how do you balance your creative ambitions and dreams with the day-to-day management of your household and keeping the kids alive and all that stuff? Well, thank you, first of all. Paul, I always love being able to have a conversation with you. Second, let's be fully transparent. This is the third time that we have tried to do this podcast together because life got in the way the first two times. We almost missed it this time because my wife is teaching a piano lesson right next to my studio, not conducive to recording a podcast. And like, okay, can you hurry up the lesson? I'm trying to record here, but I didn't say that out loud. I currently have a cat next to me that I need to take something from. I'm not even joking. Like, I'm not, I I did not stage any of this. Hold on. (laughs) This is real life, folks. There are no ideal circumstances. I'm actually going to address your question right now. Because yesterday, which was when you and I were first wanting to do this, I had to send you a text because I got a message from my daughter at school that her abdomen was having, like she was having severe pain. It was in the middle of choir class, which she loves, so I knew it was legit. So I had to bail and go get her and take her to the doctor. Thankfully, she's fine. It's not appendicitis or anything. But that was my day. And after I did that, when I brought her home, I I did the swap with my husband and I took a different car, not thinking much of it, got all the way back to work. And I thought, okay, here you go. I'm going to get some work done. And I get a message from him that says, have you seen my van key? (laughs) And I start rummaging through my purse and he can't find it. And I'm watching the clock realizing someone needs to pick up our third child from pre-K because Lord knows that needs to end in the middle of the day. And so long story short, I had to leave work again, go talk to my boss again and say, (laughs) I'll be back. That was just all he heard all day was I'll be back. I finally, after doing that second round trip, half hour both ways, got to work around like two in the afternoon, told my husband I no longer had the mental stamina to pick up our third kid from his class. And so he was like, I'll take that. And then I worked odd hours. So it's just sort of that, can you do this? Thank you. Okay, you slipped up this time. Okay, I'll make a mistake next time. Grace for everybody, flexible hours, and any laughter that you can insert by telling this story to other parents that I mean, even when I said, have you seen my van key? You put your head down because you've lived that. Absolutely. Well, we've established you're very relatable. And really, that's why I'm invited you to have this conversation, because we don't want an expert, somebody that's got it all figured out. We're in the thick of it with the kids, the family, the job, the creative careers that we're excited to have and want to explore fully and do new and creative things. It's a juggling act. And being able to laugh at yourself is a big part of that. It's the only the humor is what diffuses the frustration, because if I chose to be mad about yesterday, then that's not what I want to display to my kids. If I'm asking them to be flexible, I have to show them flexibility. And that does not come easy to me. I like to be in control. 
And I like to be early and I start to sweat if I'm two minutes late. My dad instilled that in me. It doesn't come easy. It doesn't. Man, if having kids doesn't humble you, (laughs) you have to really get serious about your intentions because I'm the same way. I cannot stand being late. We've had occasion where Adeline, the 10-year-old, she has Taekwondo at the worst times, right in the middle of dinner. So we're rushing dinner to, to get her there. And when we're running late, she is the absolute nightmare. And she melts down and I see myself in her (laughs) and I'm like, oh, what have I done? It's going to be okay. It's a great lesson that we can tell our kids the best way to live. But at the end of the day, they learn it about what's actually working for us, how we're actually modeling it. So much more is caught than taught which is what you're saying. And I remember watching like my mom growing up and she didn't have all of the, you know, the smartphones and all the activities and stuff. But I do remember she would come home from work. She was a teacher and she she would see the kitchen was just a mess. And she would start being like, am I the only person in this house that knows how to unload a dishwasher? You know, and she would just look at us. And then I could always tell if she was stressed because all of the silverware, nothing would be properly put away. Spoons wouldn't be with spoons. She would have just taken the caddy and dumped it. So it'd be a free for all in the silverware drawer. I noticed that I do that now too in my own house. And so, but she always had the humor, which is what we keep. I know that you want to have some practical things about like juggling the work-life balance. Absolutely. So who can we talk to about that? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I have just a couple. Okay. I do get emails at different times of day or on the weekends and stuff with friends. And I know it's not because they're like burning the candle at both ends. It's just they found a pocket of time that works for them. And they know I'll respond in a pocket of time that works for me. It really is taking back your time because that's our most precious, unrenewable resource there. You're not getting that time back. It's true. Also, raising the white flag when I need help and reaching out and asking for help rather than thinking that I have to do it all on my own because I don't want to inconvenience anyone else. That is a great reminder because I hate asking for help, but it is a reminder that we can't do this alone. And there are people that want to help. You just have to let them know how. That's the reason the Creative Coachcast exists. I work with creatives who feel like they're overwhelmed and don't know where to start and they get stuck. And I'm a person that loves to help, but it rarely occurs to me that it goes both ways. I really think this idea of community is a big one because we've just been through a pandemic. The idea of just connecting to everybody on Facebook, it just doesn't replace the same thing as knowing your neighbors and really having people in your neighborhood that you you can ask for help. I was really thinking about this when Mark Zuckerberg announced the rebranding of Facebook to Meta. And he actually said the reason they're changing the name is because Meta is a Greek word, meaning basically there's always more to accomplish and to pursue. And people are like, is this going to replace real life in the virtual world? No, actually, this is very clarifying because the Meta is built to sell you more things. That is not real life. And so I really think the key to having balance in life is technology is a wonderful thing. We can use these tools to talk to people that are far away. We can use the tools to do work, but they're tools and Mm -hmm. we got to put them away and then go experience real life in the real world. And nothing replaces that. I know. And that's, I mean, it's like, that's the thing we know. And I just have to get that from my head to my behavior center. Because a lot of times when my brain is fried, I will grab my phone and play a game or grab my phone and watch Netflix or grab my phone and by muscle memory, like scroll Instagram or Facebook or something. 
And it's like one of the things I've been asking myself, like when I start to watch a show or do anything related to technology, I say in half an hour, am I going to feel better or worse? Does it match up to your core values? That's what it boils down to. I just love to learn. And that's why I like documentaries and reading books. I just read a whole book on mimetic desires, mimetic theory. And what that simply means is most of our desires, our behaviors We're mimicking other people, just like babies pick up phones and kind of hold them up because they see their parents doing that. It's the same thing. We still do that as adults. And really part of growing up, I'm discovering, is putting everything through a lens of, is this actually how I want to spend my days, how I want to spend my time? Does this make me more like the person I want to be? If I want to be a dad that's in the mix or a loving husband or a good friend, is the time spent whatever it is, or is this going to help me be more like the person I want to be? And I think that's clarifying. It makes me think of something my kid's school does once a quarter. They have a serve day where the kids don't have a day at school, but they have a list of different things, or they could come up with their own on how they can serve their neighbors, their family, or their community. And then they log what they did. They take some photos and the kids, not just mine, but like other people's kids too. And the classes got really creative about what they wanted to do. And I know some girls that wanted to take donuts to the local hospital and give it to all of the doctors and nurses. And they made homemade cards and everything. And they took pictures. And just to hear from the staff there, they were like, so grateful. They were like, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, everybody did this. And then it sort of tapered off. We're really thankful, you know, that you're still seeing us and thanking us and stuff. And so I just think it aligns with what you're saying is like, I think we would all say that's the kind of person that we want to be. And yet I never would have taken my kids to go do stuff like that had it not been like, oh, okay, that's what everyone's doing today. Like, I just wish that we had a national, Mm -hmm. like every Thursday is serve day. Yes. And you can make that. Every Saturday in our house is library day. And I take the kids to the library. We're not on devices. We're just reading books. And so really deciding what kind of role model, what kind of household you want to have. And so I think about that every day, but I also love what I do. And so trying to find this balance between task switching, going from working with creative people and then going and being a parent. And really I where I've come to is just being intentional about blocking the time. And so I know when I'm working, I'm working, even though I'm working from home, I have a dedicated space. And then when I'm done, I'm done. And I've actually blocked the last hour of the day from four to five o'clock, the workday to catch up on all the things. So any last emails that I need to respond to or people I need to call back or things that need to get done, it's blocked. So people can't schedule meetings during that hour. And then five o'clock. And again, I'm not perfect, but it's kind of the idea of I shoot for doing this more often than not and closing the laptop and going to be with my family at five o'clock. I really think having that margin built into the schedule, it doesn't happen automatically. You, you've got to be intentional about it. 100%. Part of this whole life balance thing is really getting good at saying no. And really prioritizing what are the essential things? What are the things that enrich my life that help me be who I am to be and not do more things? And that's clarifying. What's some of the stuff that you say no to? Being an entrepreneur, having my own business, I've turned down business that I knew that was not going to be worth the time expense. And I realize that's a privileged position because not everyone's in a place that they can afford to turn down work but I've afforded that. And I think of day to day giving up control. So I actually have my assistant check my email. I don't have to obsess about responding to every email. 
if somebody gets mad at me or I lose an opportunity because I didn't respond within 20 minutes, then it wasn't meant to be. And so just giving up control, that is super clarifying. So every day I just try to write down three things that I'd like to accomplish and being okay with just those three things. And okay, even if not all three get done, just being present, just accepting that I'm not supposed to get it all done. And that's why prioritizing is important because it's not about productivity theater. What about you? What's inspiring you right now? There's a couple documentaries that I found that I want to watch or have Olivia watch and then discuss with her. Olivia is my almost 15 year old. And because my friend Caroline says that for teenagers, and I think this is actually for anybody, you hold on to it longer, like the thought or the feeling like when you feel like you own it, like if you're the one that came up with it. Right. So instead of me telling her all the dangers of social media or whatever, I can show her a documentary about it, like a couple that I'm going to mention here and then say, what are your thoughts? And then when she says ones that I agree with, be like, Olivia, that is so smart. Anyways, one is called Fake Famous. It's this guy that wants to conduct an experiment and just take three random Joe Schmoes off the street and see if he can make them fake Instagram famous over the course of a year. Like influencers, turn them into an influencer. So he did an all-out casting call. They picked three people. They did fake photo shoots with them in the backyard with all these different hacks to make it look like they were at famous spas, fancy spas. And they put the location at like a really expensive hotel, even though they're just in the backyard. And long story short, one of them became fake influencer famous because they bought bots like to like the pot the the posts and I didn't even know about all this that you can buy likes and I, I just came away from the whole thing going we are being had we are being played <laughs> for that advertising machine and I just want to make sure that my daughter's aware of it too because once you're aware of it to me, it makes it a lot easier to monitor because I, no one wants to be played. Well, no, but even though we know we're being had, we still get sucked into it. So it just makes a difference to encourage one another to put it down and realize that the internet is not real. Everything's got a filter. If being an influencer is so good, why are so many celebrities unhappy? And <laughs> I just don't think that is the goal. So I think that's really wise to lead your kids to the conclusion rather than just kind of tell them on high how they should think, but actually show them the results, lead them to the conclusions themselves. Another one of the documentaries I watched, 15 Minutes of Shame. I think it was on HBO Max. There's some language and some content that's not for young years. So that's my disclaimer. But I found it fascinating because there was a psychology study that measured the facial expressions and attention of soccer fans in Europe watching their favorite team score a goal. And then those same people had the same reactions studied when they watched their rival team miss a goal. And it made me so uncomfortable to watch and to hear how it's ingrained in nearly every human being. And not only is it ingrained, but it is more powerful than taking joy in like your own team winning is the delight in others' misfortune. And so anyways, the documentary went on to talk about how that's how social media is built, because social media is just all about keeping our attention and getting more of our attention. If that study had have proven that just joy and delight in our team winning, if that kept the most attention, social media would be built for that, right? But it's not. It's built toward the negative because that got more attention. And so basically... They're all profiting when we are a divisive nation, because every time you type in all caps that you disagree with whatever you just read, you are adding content to their machine. I find it funny that people think uh, certain technology companies have certain political persuasions. 
at the end of the day, they're businesses and they know that we clam on to the extremes and the negativity. And so they welcome all sides as long as it's keeping people sucked in and selling their attention. They did a study on on Twitter. If you use the word I'm outraged or this is a disgrace or unbelievable, whatever it is, exclamation. Those ones got retweeted 33% more than anything with that had the same link, but a more benign headline. Yeah. We're all nodding along with you because I think it just, it reigns true. So what can we do? There's this quote from Anne Frank that's been bugging me for a while. She said, go outside amidst the simple beauty of nature and know that as long as places like this exist, there will be comfort for every sorrow, whatever the circumstances may be. As we wrap up this conversation, I don't think we have any magical formula to make life more balanced. I think it really boils down to going back to the basics and go outside into nature and evaluate who we want to be and what are the the God-given desires of our heart, not just mimicking someone else or trying to impress anybody else, but what truly is God calling us to be and pursuing those things and eliminating everything else. So good. And since it's the Creative Coach cast, it's proven scientifically that you are more creative when you're on a walk than sitting down. Well, that's a fun fact. I didn't know that. They did studies on boardroom meetings and and brainstorming amidst like, you know, clients or whatever. And the people that were walking came up with, I'm going to get the statistic wrong, but I think it was something like 40% more original creative ideas. And that makes perfect sense. You got to get moving. So with that, I'm going to go do that and would encourage you to get moving, go out and enjoy nature as well. Sarah, thank you very much. Always. If you have any thoughts or questions about today's show, I would love to hear from you. Reach out on Twitter or Instagram. I'm at Paul J. Goldsmith, or you can send me a text to 559-574-3210. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.